1: Today's guest is Richard Sperling, who is not only a lifetime tennis player, but the co-founder and executive director of Acing Autism. Welcome and thank you for joining me.
0: Nice to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Now, I want you to just kind of explain exactly what Acing Autism is, and then maybe we can get into how you started this organization and what need you were working to fill with creating it.
0: Sure. Well, ACing Autism is a nonprofit organization uh, founded in 2008. Realized that there was a big need to help uh, families and children with autism. And there really weren't a lot of sports based programs that, that catered to kids with autism. Um, my background has been tennis pretty much my whole life. Um, so I have a lot of love for tennis and, you know, was able to figure out a way to, to use tennis to help children with autism and um it all started in boston in 2008 so i i came from sort of the, the tennis you know the tennis part my ex-wife you know she she was the autism expert she she does autism um research and so you know we came together and realized that we could create something so designed the curriculum and um and here we are you know with with uh still around and Growing and uh, reaching reaching a lot of kids.
1: And you guys are based in Los Angeles, but you're a nationwide organization, correct?
0: Yeah, I was living in Boston at the time. I was actually teaching tennis on the Cape, and you know, um, worked at a at a country club in Dedham, and then went back to school, got my MBA while I was doing my, it. Was an entrepreneurship program at, at Babson, and um, you know, went into the program with some ideas and came out with this being sort of the, the main one that I was um, I used you know I pitched it in several classes and got a lot of um, confidence to go forward with it. you know I, I shared the idea with some professors and um, with other students and came out of that program you know after three and a half years with with a an idea how how to start this and then test it out and um, took probably four or five years of doing this part time um, to get to a place where we had raised, you know, raised enough money to really do it full time. And, you know, the mission is meaningful and, and there's a lot of impact there. So, so I think, you know, because we're doing something good, you know, tennis communities really embraced the idea. Um, it's powerful, you know, what, what we've created and I'm, I'm, you know, excited for the future as well. But.
1: Yeah. And I have to ask, did you always kind of have this background of wanting to kind of help out and do nonprofit work? Because being tennis players and working in the tennis industry, like you can make a nice little living working at a nice country club. But like, once you jump into nonprofit, it's not as easy on that, on yeah, that end.
0: <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um Yeah. So I, you know, I played tennis in college and obviously, you know, most I think most tennis players in college, you know, they're teaching tennis in the summers and, you know, that was my sort of introduction to the working world. You know, I worked at country clubs in around Boca Raton and, you know, South Florida, which was, you know, beautiful country clubs. And then I ended up on Cape Cod in the summer. So I had a really good thing going on where I was, mm-hmm. in the, you know, in South Florida for the winters and Cape Cod for the summers and you meet a lot of really, really interesting people, uh, a lot of wealthy people, um, you're around, um, you know, a lot of kids that are spoiled, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, you sort of, you know, you question, you know, I, I I enjoyed the work, um, Mm -hmm. but I was ready to do something, you know, different. And that's why I went back to school, but I always, I never left tennis, you know, I was always, always playing, you know, I still like competing, you know, um, now I have two boys that I coach. So I'm, I'm always going to be around tennis. And, uh, you know, if I could do something meaningful with tennis, I think, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I love. So, so, um, yeah, you know, I had ide- other business ideas. I thought maybe I would go into finance. I did a couple of years in finance when I was out of, you know, finished undergrad, but didn't love it. Um, so I was ready to do something different. And, and now, you know, I just got off, uh, you know, a conference call talking about, 401k plan so, <laughs> so it's,
1: it's different yeah,
0: it's evolved you know and you're managing people so it gets very very complicated <laughs> I think the most enjoyable powerful piece of of facing autism is you know when you're on the court with the kids and you meet the families and you meet the volunteers and you see it in action and you're you see how these kids take to it and how the families appreciate it you know that's really impactful
1: yeah, definitely. And hoping this episode goes live in April and April is Autism Awareness. There you um, go. You correct? know, it. yeah, <laughs>
0: that's right. Yeah. No.
1: Um, I wanted to s- s- ask if you could educate me a little bit on autism. I'm not well versed in it. So you would be the expert. <laughs> I'm
0: not the expert. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of an expert, um, more of a kind of expert, but um, yeah. So, so, I mean, the first child that I ever met with autism wasn't until, um, you know, 2008 when I was testing out this idea of, of can you teach tennis to a child with autism? And, you know, around this time is when autism is autism was coming into the media quite a lot. You know, rates were rising and, um, people, you know, people's news, news was starting to follow autism a lot. Um, but basically it's, uh, it's a neurological disorder. So it's affecting the development of of, of kids, young kids, and um, it impacts um, verbal, nonverbal communication behaviors, their repetitive uh, behaviors, and and restricted interests. So, so it's really impacting how a child communicates and socializes and regulate, self regulates, and then they call it. Uh, Autism spectrum disorder, because every child is different. So there, there are some that are more impacted, um, and have absolutely, you know, no language, so nonverbal. And then there are some kids that can speak and communicate, um, but they have, you know, uh, repetitive behaviors such as, um, you know, arm flapping, I think is probably the most common. Um, uh, and then there's a sensory disorder that's associated with it. So, so some, some people won't like the feel of, Certain materials or textiles that won't like wearing. Certain clothes, mm-hmm. um, maybe the texture of a food they won't like. So, so there there are, um, yeah. It's it, it basically it's it's impacting you know the social communication, uh, which you know in children and adults. But um, it's usually diagnosed by I think the average age when when children get diagnosed is around four. Okay. So usually you know the, I think the the early signs of autism are you know no you know avoiding eye contact no big smiles um you know very early on and and then it leads to um sometimes there's a there's a regression in in language development so most most children struggle to make friendships Mm -hmm. so they tend to um play by themselves so they're you know they have difficulty making friends so they like and there's and also they play with toys in an unusual way sometimes okay some of the telltale signs early signs yeah
1: so tell me what this these programs what have you seen tennis be able to do for a kid who might be showing these signs and is diagnosed as an autistic child how has it transformed them
0: yeah so i think you know i think it's important to understand that that when when you find out that your child has been diagnosed with autism, you know, immediately, you know, parents are looking for help um, and, and services and what, you know, how they can improve the outcomes you know, for for the, for the kids. And so they're looking for, uh, you know, ABA therapists to help them with behaviors and speech therapists to help them with their language and even social skills training. But there, there really weren't, you know, when we started this, there there was nothing really, um, there weren't a lot of, you know, opportunities to play. Um, But, parents weren't thinking about that part you know what am I going to do to allow my child to have fun and play and mm-hmm. the other kids you know there were when I started this in 2008 there were we found a few soccer programs I found um swimming was 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 quite a popular one and, and horseback riding some surfing couldn't find a tennis program and the the idea is that you you know you're creating a uh, a program where kids are working on their fitness, their physical fitness. Um, working on their hand-eye coordination. A lot of kids have low muscle tone. Their hand-eye coordination isn't isn't very good. Um, and then you're also working on that social skills piece, where 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 you're having them interact with a volunteer, and then also and and then also trying to help kids, two kids, you know, engage with one another. Mm-hmm. So you can get all that through through a tennis lesson. Um, and and most of all, you want to make sure they're having fun. So so there's that. Fun social interaction plus physical fitness—all um, in one. You know st- what studies are starting to show is that the you know more physical movement and activity you you can create, um, it's actually going to help them not only with physical fitness but also cognitively. That's the the goal.
1: (laughs) I love that though. I mean, I just say that for my own mental health that like, I need to (laughs) work out or play some tennis or hit the ball really hard (laughs) to, to keep, keep the positivity going. So I can see how, yeah, just moving around and being active would definitely be a positive impact for these kids. And then something else that I saw on your website, which of course, in this episode, we're going to link all of the websites and, or the website information and donations and all that. But it was pretty powerful to see that you guys really want to provide Parents with like an hour of time where they can just chill out, also. So, maybe you can speak a little bit to that piece because I think that that felt really powerful to me.
0: You know, the parents are so focused on getting their kids' help that they forget about the fun, you know, taking the kids to it to a you know soccer practice. Yeah. And here we've created a program where, um, parents that may most parents don't play tennis themselves, but they're, they're able to bring their kids to. To a tennis club or sometimes, you know, we have programs at country clubs, um, or a college campus or high school, wherever the the tennis court may be, but they're bringing their kids somewhere, dropping them off on the court and they're watching, you know, they're watching their kids, but also socializing with other parents, meeting other people. And it feels like you're, you know, you're, you're going somewhere and you're, you're doing something that every parent, you know, should be doing for their child. Um, you know, there's a sense of community there and belonging you know and so they're, you know they're, they're meeting uh, parents that have children with autism and they're um you know they're connecting so that's been that's something i had had never thought of when you know when we were designing this you know i was just focused on the curriculum and you know how we can get kids to focus and and learn to play tennis um you know with the deficits that they have so that was my you know my focus at the beginning how, how to get their attention and keep them on task that's been a a wonderful benefit and then and then you have sometimes you have siblings that come and volunteer at the program and uh you know it's a nice it's nice for the family you know parents have have told me that it's you know really powerful that what that one hour a week does it becomes part of their weekly routine it's really impacting the quality of their their lives
1: I can only imagine it's just as important for the parents also to even like you said, they're talking to other parents, they actually probably feel like they can talk about it, or, you know, they have something in common, whereas like, if they were dropping their kids off at a high school, um, just a regular practice, then maybe they would be really worried about if their kid with that has autism could fit in correctly and all that. So that makes tons of sense. Um, now, something you obviously keep mentioning: volunteers, and you guys are a volunteer-driven organization. So, talk to me a little bit about that, and who your volunteers are, and what they look like, and who can help, and all of <laughs> the above. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So, you know, program number one in Boston. You know, it, it was I was working at a tennis club at the time, so recruited a lot of the juniors that I was coaching. So it was you know mostly teenagers, high school students. Some college students would help out. We were recruited mostly tennis players, um, but obviously, you know, anyone anyone is welcome. You know, uh, you know recreational tennis players, um, college tennis players. You know, that's usually who we try to find first. But obviously, college campuses we we recruit any student that wants to come and help, especially you know, medical students or or um, people studying mm-hmm. um, science. You know, they, they they have an interest in in autism hands-on learning experience you know with with kids with autism so obviously you know the majority of our volunteers are high school and, and college students but um you know recreational tennis players and uh parent you know you have a lot of parents that have started programs as well so um anybody that really wants to help but but awesome. uh yeah the, i'd say the average age is probably 17 or 18.
1: Okay, cool. Right I love that, though. Yes. I mean, my parents raised me to always have, um, you know, give back to the community. And this is a great way for any tennis player to get involved in such a fun way, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: And and the interesting thing about the the volunteers, I mean, we've, we've had volunteers that are as young as 12, 13, 14. And they sometimes have better success, you know, working with with students that are you know their age you know mm-hmm. their, their peers and they're modeling things and um you know we have them sometimes you just you know participate in the program as a volunteer peer and they the impact that has on on the childhood program is, is much more beneficial than what i could do so <laughs> it's uh it's really powerful to see that when that when that happens
1: yeah that's so cool now, what does a typical day look like or what is, a, do the programs all look the same no matter where you are in the country? Are they all teaching the same thing? Are you all doing the same activities or what what's an hour on the court look like?
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, it's very, very important that we do have a, a very structured program. Um, the, the kids don't do very well transitioning. So we we, we do have a formula that, that kids become familiar with. You know, obviously the first class is always the mo- most chaotic um but once they understand the routine it gets a lot easier um so we we, we use visual schedules on the court because the can see the pictures we try to get them engaged with our visual schedule you know we're, we're actually you know every year we're trying to improve improve how we, we deliver the program so we're making updates to the visual schedule where we're going to now allow kids to you know walk up to the net pick that visual schedule and flip it over the net so mm-hmm. um Working on those things, um, so it's very structured. Um, go through ev- ev- you know everything on our schedule from volleys, to ground strokes. You know, starting off with warm up, um, and then finishing with games at the end. And and uh, you know, we always finish with a cheer. So that schedule we don't shift from from that schedule. Make sure they're moving, um, getting some exercise, and uh, make sure that you know the kids are connecting with each other. You know, so we're trying to get you know, giving a lot of high fives. And, you know, the, the nice thing about the program is that you can, you know, cater the tennis lesson to every child's ability um, on the court. So you're not always doing exactly the same skill within each drill. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so. totally. Uh, now with the autism, is there a way that kids learn better than un- different way like i'm not very good with (laughs) visualization like i need to do it to like remember and like also i'm really bad when someone tells me instructions so (laughs) i'm not good at that stuff but um how what's the best way to learn if your child has autism
0: yeah they well they say you know the preferred you know learning style is is visually Mm -hmm. Um, so we that's why we do have you know the picture so they can they can see what we're doing where we are in the class but we do, we also do a lot of physical prompting as well to help with that, with the stroke production. Muscle memory, um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that that prompting, you know, setting the racket back for them and, and then seeing if they'll copy what we do, for, you know, what we show them.
1: And this kind of feels like a dumb question, but do you find that the kids are like super engaged and really looking forward to the next time they can be on the court? Or is it kind of sometimes just like, oh, now I got to go to tennis? <laughs>
0: I think, in, you know, it, everybody's different, but I think, I think there you know, there, there are cases where it's difficult to get them on the court mm-hmm. um, and get them familiar with the environment and make them feel at ease with, with um, the environment that they're in, you know, the sounds and all the things around the court. So, so that can take time sometimes, but I think the majority of, of, of participants that we have really enjoy coming back and, and look forward to it. I mean, we, you know, when we train our volunteers, we make we, we let them know it's very important that this is that you make it fun, yeah, and engaging, and make the kids feel good about themselves. Um, I would say that the majority do look forward to coming back, and 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 you know are missing the program. So unfortunately, this past year has been been very difficult for families, and um, most of our programs have not run, you know, since last March. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there are a lot of a lot of families that. Have struggled a lot this year because they haven't been able to get out and and do their regular activities
1: yeah which brings up something i did want to talk about is you guys have like a virtual program acing at home i think i saw on the website talk to me about it
0: yeah so we we so you know when everything got shut down last march we decided you know i think a couple months you know probably around may we decided that we had to produce some videos Mm -hmm. um so we created a series of very short videos, um, five-minute videos that people could do at home. Then, then during the summer, we created um, six 20-minute uh, videos that that would replace sort of an in-class, in, in uh, in-person session. So we had a full series of, of programs that were really produced at a high level. And so the idea was that, you know, you put it on your computer, the child would be at home, and they would just copy what they were seeing. And we had some, some success with that. And then in addition to that, we 've also paired up volunteers with students all around the country to, to do this virtually um, um, do it live some some kids will, will need some you know some assistance some kids will do it independently mm-hmm. um, some kids will do it for 10 15 minutes some kids will do it 30 minutes but we've done our best to make that available to, to all our families and um, you know I think a lot of a lot of families, like I said, you know, a lot of families during the pandemic, especially uh, parents that have kids with autism, have, have really struggled because they're trying to work from home and then also take care of the kids because, mm. you know, there's just there weren't that many people to come and, into the homes and help. So, you know, even though we provided this, you know, a lot of people couldn't, you know, just couldn't take advantage of it. So we're slowly, slowly starting to come back now.
1: Okay, good. That's, that was going to be the next question. Hopefully things are starting to open.
0: So yeah, April, you said it, you said it. April is uh, (laughs) autism month. So we, we, um, tomorrow is autism world day. So, um, we, we do have plans right now. So we're slowly bringing, bringing our programming back, which means, um, you know, we do have COVID guidelines still in Mm -hmm. place, which means, you know, people have to wear masks and social distancing, less people on the court. So we are we are keeping those guidelines in place. Um, but we are excited, you know, to announce that we have about 16, 16 of our programs that will provide in-person programming in April. And then I think hopefully, you know, over the summer, some more will come back and then hopefully we're on this trend where, where you know, things go back to normal.
1: Yes, hopefully yeah. let's go fingers crossed like we're ready for it I'm sure everyone listening and everyone that has been involved with the organization is ready to get back on the court too so yeah what about some success stories I'm sure you have had players that probably knew nothing about tennis coming in and then like are completely tennis nuts still playing have, do you have any stories of players that you can share
0: yeah I mean I you know I think one of my favorite stories is is, is, um, from one of the, one of the first kids that I met, you know, in Boston, Um, she was five at the time and um, nonverbal and, you know, very difficult to get her attention, really didn't understand what, what tennis was meant to be, Um, you know, and you had to help her hold the racket. Um, You had to help her, you know, stand in the right place. And, and it took, months and years you know to teach her you know how to hit a tennis ball and you know, and you start with the ball on the tee and then you you move to a, a drop and then gradually you know with time but she's been in the program for 10 years and now she's you know rallying from from the service line so that's uh, an unbelievable story but she's you know she's worked hard and you know it's, uh 10 years so yeah that's really um, a powerful story and uh, there's another boy here from from Burbank um and we just introduced you know him to tennis he had never played tennis before and he was probably about nine nine or ten he completely fell in love with tennis and um you know he used to go to bed with his racket
1: (laughs) yes drove
0: drove his parents completely crazy (laughs) because all he wanted to do was play tennis so they had to put you know buy a wall for him to use at home um so that's also a nice story I know it drove parents crazy but for me I like that story
1: I love that
0: he just just loved the the monotony of of hitting a ball now it felt and loved it so yeah
1: yeah. that's cool and I think like for someone like you and I tennis is such an escape some days for us so I can only imagine someone that deals with other you know mental health issues that Mm -hmm. having an escape could be so nice <laughs> yeah and I'm sure tennis provides that
0: there is that you know that rhythm to tennis you know and and getting a ball feels good you know when you yeah where when it goes where you want it to go um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think there is uh there's something about tennis that that is attractive you know for for everyone
1: well, and I guess that's also kind of like a side question is as you've seen these players progress and some really take well to it, do you notice that their personality also changes for the better? Are there things that you've seen them grow as people? And how's that work?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so yeah, so so it's yeah, it's really important for, for us as a nonprofit, you know, to show the impact that we're making. And we are doing our best right now to to collect outcomes and, um, you know, show how k- kids are making gains in the areas of, you know, fitness, you know, socially, behaviorally, you know, those three areas. And, and we are working right now with UCLA, um, to measure those things. And we recently sent a, a survey to our program directors so, and 50 of them responded. And we, we, you know, across the board, you know, we saw, you know, tennis skills had improved I think seventy-five percent mm-hmm. of the program directors said there was improvement there. Motor skills, like ninety percent, wow. had uh, there was improvement there. And then social skills—they're noticing that social skills are improving, seventy percent. Um, so, and even the repetitive behaviors and the mood, there's improvement. Not not as high. I think it was 60 percent. But but you can see across across the board that there's there is improvement there. So we want to try. Um, you know, as soon as the pandemic ends, you know, we're going to set up a program at UCLA and and put a study together, you know, more qualitative study to show these improvements.
1: That's awesome to hear. Let's say someone is listening and they really want to get involved, but they might be slightly intimidated about interacting with kids with autism. What is something that you can share about interacting with others that do have autism that, you know, might be helpful?
0: Well, I, th- I think, you know, if, if anybody wants to get involved, you know, we do train, train our volunteers. We have a, a volunteer manual. Um, you know, we have a someone from, from aging autism that will go out and train, train volunteers to show you, to show you how, we, how we work with the kids. But usually, you know, when you meet a child with autism for the first time, obviously their, their parents will be there and you can obviously ask them questions. But, you know, within the first 30 seconds, you'll, you'll understand their receptive language skills and their verbal language skills and if if a child is is very young um so we uh, we allow children as young as five into our Mm -hmm. program if they're very young um we'll usually have two volunteers working with that child and you know they stay with that child throughout the session so i think everybody feels more comfortable you know working with them and um you know if they if they need that visual support we have the visual support um I think it's a gradual learning process for both the child and, and the volunteer, you know, to get to know each other. But we, you know, we try to help them in terms of, you know, understanding that, that usually, you know, children have a, an interest, um, you know, try to get to know them, find out what their hobbies are, use that in, within, the, within the clinic to motivate the child. Um, for example, you know, you might have a boy, who who knows everything about insects or trains and they want to just want to give you facts all the time so you can you can say all right you're going to hit 10 balls and then you can give me that you know
1: (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) and i'm sure um they're probably just as you know nervous sometimes as the volunteers maybe on their first day so
0: yeah yeah Yeah, it will be fun for everyone (laughs) no there's a lot of anxiety at the beginning but we you know, if 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 a parent needs to walk onto the court with their child for the first clinic, you know, we let we let them do that. But I, I say, you know, one out of ten is probably really nervous about coming out into the court. Sometimes you have to, you know, you have to ask the parents to to go away because they're, they're what, distracting. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what I was going to say too, though. And if there's a parent listening with an autistic child, and maybe they're slightly intimidated, they probably wouldn't be listening if they're not tennis fans. But <laughs> if there was a a a parent that you know had no no idea about tennis and they were slightly intimidated how easy is it I mean like explain to them how it's
0: not yeah well that yeah that I think that's really important You know, I think most a lot of a lot of parents that we meet really underestimate what their their child can do or underestimate what they're able to do and I think you know you, you just have to you know, cut the cord and let, let them go. And, and, you know, but, but I'm saying with, with tennis skills, you know, even with a five year old, you can, you can show them tennis skills and work on some hand, eye and racket skills. And if, if you need to be, if you need to physically help the child hold the racket or if they can do it with two hands, you know, there's ways to adapt how you're teaching to a child, you know, five year old with autism. That's awesome. And that's, that's what I think I like so much about it, is that every, every step that we have, there are drills that you can do and then you can make them easier or more difficult Mm. based on, on, you want to make sure that they have success, but also challenge them. So I think you can do that with tennis.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Any player. (laughs) Um, talk to me about the importance of donations for your program and all of that
0: donations. Um, so, I mean, we obviously, um, as we, you know, we're a nonprofit, so, um, I mean, I should probably first tell you about our plans. Um, yes, I would love to. they, you know, they're obviously supporting, you know, program growth. I mean, that's what where we are headed. You know, we've got um, about eighty, eighty two, eighty three programs in thirty states right now, mm-hmm. and our priorities are to to reach more families. We we reach about a thousand families uh, right now, or before the pandemic. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: on average, we have about fifteen children per site. Okay. So, so we we are really planning uh, to grow aggressively over the next three years and and double that. We we we, we you know our goal is to get to about two hundred program locations um, over the next three years.
1: That's amazing.
0: And obviously, need need funds to do that. So, um, you know, we do we do fundraisers here in LA. We do a gala every year here, and then we do small. Um, you know, in in April we do these racket runs at each site um so you know variations where you're holding a racket and you're doing doing a community run um and then throughout the year we do small you know sometimes small fundraisers at at launches um and obviously we we um have a donate button on our our website um so people are welcome to come and see our mission and, and see our work and follow us and support us yeah
1: yeah. Your website is insanely informative. There is so okay. much information. Yeah. I kept clicking around and here, here, here. And, yeah. um, yeah, no, it's awesome. And we will for sure link to everything, but that's what I was going to say is even on the, the donation page, it says just $20 sponsors, an hour of tennis. That's crazy. When you think about, you know, pricing that some people pay for an hour lesson so it you know a little yeah a little goes a long way in for your program I'm sure so
0: and we and we do provide scholarships you know to to families that can't afford our program so we we obviously wanted to charge a a nominal fee you know to help support the program expenses Um, we think that that's a a reasonable amount I mean that we we know that you know here in LA one hour lesson is (laughs) look crazy.
1: But. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So just think next time you're paying for that, that hour tennis lesson for yourself, think how much, it could, <laughs> how many lessons it could provide that, for right. a child with autism. That's cool. Yeah. But do you ever get emails or do you guys get contacted ever from a parent who doesn't have this program locally for them and like requesting a program to begin?
0: Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, a lot, a lot of our programs will start because somebody hears mm-hmm. about us on a, on a podcast. Yeah. Like this. Um, <laughs> you know, it could be a tennis pro that has a child with autism and says, Oh, I want this at um, my club or I want this in my community. Uh, and they'll start the program or it'll be a, a parent that, that plays tennis and brings this to their community. That certainly happens frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because, you know, I'm, so involved in in the tennis industry you know i think a lot of our growth has come from that but we set up a lot of programs you know at high schools Mm -hmm. um where high school students will run our program obviously that volunteer piece is is essential Mm -hmm. um so we you know being at a high school makes a lot of sense and being on a college campus makes a lot of sense as well yeah um so yeah we we're always um interested to hear from people that have you know passion for for tennis and autism and want to get involved in our mission um and then if i can add to that we we more recently you know we're trying to get into into schools now so bring tennis into schools where the students are Mm -hmm. and we're starting to to work on that so which will enable us to i think reach more children at each site and have them play more frequently so that's a very interesting model as well slightly different but we're working on that as well you
1: like that one? I like that one. I'm like, I know. No, so I have a problem. But every time I do a chat like this, like anytime I do one of my nonprofit chats, I'm like, okay, sign me up. Let's go. We're doing I'm going. Like, I've committed myself to all these programs. And even to be completely honest, um, you might. Be aware of the program. Pete Brown Junior Tennis Program um, was the first nonprofit chat I had on the podcast, and oh. that was two years ago. And I went down for their holiday celebration oh. two years oh ago. And last year, it was so sad for me not to be able to. Well, it, it they still did a drive by one, but it was not. You know, it wasn't on a tennis court because of COVID and everything else. And I'm like dang, I can't, you know, next, this coming Christmas, like I'm there, like it's happening, but yeah, even just chatting and I'm like, Oh, this would be so cool. San Luis Obispo is a small town, but you know, there are parents and kids with autism that would totally benefit from this. So it's just like, it gets my wheels turning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll sign you up as a program
1: director. So. Yeah, perfect. I need more things on my plate. I like to be busy. <laughs> it sounds like such an amazing program, and yeah, I'm super glad that you you got to sh- share all of this information with us, so my audience can be educated, and I'm more educated. Um, sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma around autism, and I don't always feel comfortable talking about it because I don't know that much. So I just mm-hmm. hope that I'm didn't say anything incorrect or anything. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, love sharing the story and um, I want to thank tennis warehouse for, for hosting us. And uh,
1: of course.
0: Yeah. But next time you're in LA, we'll have to show you a program. Um, I would love And that. the next time we have a gala, we will invite you to come.
1: See now my wheels are turning even more yeah. st- because my sister lives in Ventura and I have a friend down there that teaches tennis. Like we've got we this, go. we've got this okay. covered. You might already have okay. programs down there. But- <laughs> Actually,
0: we we have. I mean, we have a lot in LA, but but Ventura, no. Um, oh, so we have we we. I think the close. You know, we have Mountain Gate, okay. um, UCLA, obviously, and then we might have something around maybe at Brema, but nothing further out towards ventura yeah so ventura would be good Ohio is nice too all
1: hey, right so um, that's santa, I,
0: santa barbara we do that so. okay
1: i went to the wild academy so i got a connection oh, at Ohio. Wow. we get mark oh. while <laughs> oh,
0: I, I, I went there last, last summer for the first time my son did a week there so okay it. nice yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a a great little town. It's changed a lot since I've been there, but and I'm actually from Manhattan Beach, so I got I've got some LA connections as well.
0: We should, we should take this offline.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll connect. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So, what brands have been important that you've paired with that keep the program going?
0: Yeah, luckily uh, we we partnered with Headpan. They provide tennis equipment to our program so uh, big thank you to Headpan. Tennis Channel being here in Santa Monica has done a lot for, for us over the years so I'd like to say thank you to Tennis Channel and Tennis Warehouse recently donated some a lot of rackets um, oh, good. <laughs> some used you know adult rackets so we'll be gifting those to, to some of our players
1: Yeah, keep letting us know how we can be a good partner for you guys um, definitely I know this company, it's we're not as loud about it, but one of our owners is just an absolute amazing, generous person and loves helping out in the tennis community. So we
0: yeah, love to hear that. Yeah. Well, take- Thank you so much.
1: Of course. Thanks for joining. And oh, last question, of course. Where can people either s- check out your website or wa- follow you socially? Where can people check out Acing Autism?
0: We do have a really nice website, acingautism.org, and that's A-C-E-I-N-G. Um, we're on Instagram. I know um, we're very active on Instagram. We're active on Twitter. So um, those three are probably the... the where you can find you know what we're up to
1: perfect we will yeah. link them all in the show notes so people can just click and oh, go good. go donate go check it out go follow on instagram and get as involved as they want to so thank you again so much for joining me this is such a fun and informative conversation
0: thank you very much for having me and uh, enjoyed it thank you very nice to meet you
1: yeah you as well Um, where was I going? (laughs) I had something else. I was going somewhere. Sorry, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, okay, I need more coffee or something. (laughs)